Well, guys, welcome to uh, the Huntback Country Podcast today. Uh, this episode is just Steve and I recapping our recent elk hunts. If you caught uh, our latest episode, which was the prior Monday Minute, we talked kind of the planning stages and some of what was going into uh, this recent rifle elk hunt. And now here we are after the fact. So actually uh, just landed at 1 a.m. last night, got back home. And, you know, Steve, we had talked about maybe doing some content in the field podcast wise and uh as we'll get into we just flat out legitimately didn't have time like action was too hot and heavy and we were just flat out hunted and we're packing meat the whole time yeah yeah it was an awesome problem to have yeah for sure so yeah we uh yeah i obviously flew out to boise had a uh, slight delay getting started as my rifle didn't show up on the airlines which is always super reassuring <laughs> um it was uh for some reason just didn't make didn't make my connecting flight um my other bag did which who knows right and there was no delays no like changes in flights um so yeah it should have made it didn't make it so it showed up at the airport late 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 uh the night that i flew in so early the next morning went grabbed that and then man we went straight to the hills uh kind of verified zero which is always a smart thing to do after traveling with a rifle and things were looking good and yeah man pick up uh you know day one of the hunt was really just a matter of getting up into the country like i said just verifying zeros and then kind of putting ourselves in a good position you know so we didn't have um, much time to hunt that day, but just kind of packed in. And what were your thoughts, Steve, on where we went? Kind of what what was the decision uh, and to go to that night and where uh, where to attack things? Yeah, I mean, we the one problem that I had in the planning for this was we had uh, our buddy Tyler Boschma coming out to meet us, but he wasn't going to be there until midday Thursday, uh, and so we went in on Wednesday and. Um, Basically, it was kind of like, well, so Thursday's opening day. So Wednesday night, the plan was drive around. And, and I I didn't know, I knew kind of like this two square mile area that I had been, that I hunted a little bit uh, in years past. And I was like, I want to get there, but there's no easy way to get there and especially do like an uh, overnight hunt. You know, there's just too far in uh, to go in there, hunt for the, you know, basically hunt for the morning and then hike back out. Um, so it's kind of deliberating on, on where we're going to go. Uh, we, you know, I had sent you a couple waypoints on like, Hey, these would be some really good glassing points. And it's kind of just basically conceding that we would kill anything, uh, on Thursday morning, more than just sit up high and glass and cover the country, find the elk. And that, you know, we ended up not doing that. It still <laughs> probably would have been a great plan. The, yeah. probably the reason we didn't go with it was the amount of people that we saw when we were coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, that is kind of a, basically uh, yeah we're as we were driving in there there was just a lot of rigs up at that higher spot that i wanted to go glass from and so i immediately kind of switched gears to man there's going to be a lot of people up high let's get down low below them um and use them to our advantage right so mm-hmm. a lot of guys complain like <laughs> just when we dropped up your uh elk at the airport or dropped you and your elk off at the airport yesterday uh, the guy behind us was uh, dropping off his wife and he's like, my grandson, he just got back from Elkhart and he said there was people everywhere, you know, and it's, I was like, yeah, you know, that definitely can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I immediately pivoted to like, that did happen to us and we immediately shifted our strategy to take advantage of it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, the, it's a really good reason to have all the maps downloaded for the whole area. Uh, we started like, okay, well, there's a lot of people up high. That's where we wanted to go. How can we access the country from a different angle, use them to our advantage? Um, and so we just, we had like, I think two different options of how we were going to hunt it and really debated back and forth. Like I said, we uh, went, shot in the, shot the rifles, made sure everything was good. So obviously specifically checking for years after the plane flight. Um, and then we decided to kind of just go full send and backpack in there, uh, for, for one night. So it was a five mile trip an easy, pretty easy hike in there, um, along this flat Ridge and, uh, got in there and put ourselves in a glassing position that was, like I said, down below where all the other pressure was. And, um, uh, yeah, on, on the hike in randomly, like the little glassing spots we could see of the, of basically this hillside drainage that we wanted to hunt. Uh, we ended up spotting, uh, I guess it was two or three bulls. We weren't exactly mm -hmm. sure because of, of the timing of it. We were, it could have been the same bull twice that had moved, you know, 800 yards down the hillside. It just, you know, we never did get to confirm that, but we're able to glass them. And then we actually got to the glassing point um, and never did pick up the elk again that evening. So yeah. um, kind of went to bed with like, okay, we know there's elk over there. We kind of saw them, but you know, it was a little discouraging that we didn't like see them glassing right at dark to be like, all right, they're going to be right there in the morning. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing too, on the, on the hike in, in the morning or hike in that night, um, we bumped some elk and they went kind of over this little ridge and we circled around it just to, we just saw a couple cows. Um, but what we had seen of the bulls, on the other hillside, they were still bulls were with cows. We saw yeah. one and those cows was, were like looking behind them. They yeah, gave us that other yeah. impression of like, man, yeah. I think they're looking back at a bull or something. Yeah. So we we knew that they were still rutting, that the bulls were still herded up with the cows. And so we had seen these cows bump over the ridge and they were acting funny looking back behind them. I was like, well, let's just circle around real quick, try to get eyes on on this herd. See, is it just cows? Is there a bull with them? And we looped around and we cut cut their tracks and the bull track like you probably remember me obsessing about i'm like <laughs> yeah that's a big bull like literally the one of the biggest elk tracks i've ever seen in the mountains yeah um and i really wanted to find that bull just to you know put eyes on him and see how big he was because that the uh the body size was definitely there that you would think the the antlers matched um so uh they it was basically they broke down off of this thing that was like 1500 feet just straight down into the timber and there's just no way we we're gonna pick them up once we kind of went around but we we um kind of went back backtracked half a mile three quarters of a mile found a place to camp where we could somewhat glass it wasn't like a awesome glassing point but you could kind of you know move along this little ridge 100 yards and we kind of sp split up that evening i went down the ridge trying to see if there's any way i could pick up that that bull that we cut the track of and and you kind of stayed right where we were going to camp and um i think we eventually heard a bugle that night did we not yeah i think just yeah. like one um and it was one of those ones that was fairly distant kind of hard to pinpoint direction but it was you know it's always yeah. encouraging right yep Get something. yeah so yeah definitely heard heard a bull talk like all right was, you know we're feeling pretty good it would have been great to like have that super reassurance to have eyes on elk right at dark but you know it didn't matter yeah. Um, well, it was just so, it, to me, yeah. it was encouraging to be like, okay, they are talking. Like to flat out hear right. a bugle, regardless of where, you know, we had talked in the prior episode of like, man, we, I think both of us initially thinking about this hunt, like 
under anticipated how much bugling action kind of you yeah. know call it rut activity there could be um and so it was just encouraging like okay there's there's something talking that's a good sign yeah, yeah. um where was your head at on you know go, that night prior going in like what you wanted to shoot yeah i mean we kind of hit that on um the prior podcast to me it was like i was willing to shoot almost anything <laughs> uh, <laughs> it for me it like boiled down to timing um you know i was like really hoping uh you know i didn't get a shot at something call it like borderline super super early in the hunt of like man should i shoot this bull it's so early in the hunt should i wait should i hold out you know it's always there's the idea of you know shoot on the first day what you would shoot on the last day or what have you and like i get that but at the same time you know especially new country rifle in hand thinking you know you can create some more opportunities potentially if you're seeing elk it's like yeah i just didn't want that opportunity of, of something small early where i had to wrestle with it um but you know I w- i'm not out there for a trophy hunt it's not about antlers i'm out there to enjoy the mountains and have the adventure of the hunt and enjoy the company and get some meat so you know, I, I think at one point I had told you, Steve, because you, you know, you had a shot a uh, good bull during archery season already this year. And so you were like, man, I'm like super game for just shooting a spike. Uh, and so in my head, I'm like, man, if there's like a little raghorn five point, I know Steve doesn't want to shoot it. Um, and I don't want to be selfish and pass up things mm-hmm. and then extend the hunt and essentially take away opportunity from you. Right. Because in my mm-hmm. head, I'm like, Gosh, if I don't, you know, if I pass a raghorn five on day one, I knew your your mindset going into this hunt was let's get markable first, and then I'll worry about myself. And so I'm like, man, if I pass something, then I'm just extending this selfishness essentially, essentially, <laughs> of like, yeah, let's keep making this hunt all about me. And oh, by the way, I just passed something up when we could have shot something for me, and then you know got into hunting for you. So I, I, you know, I think I told you. I think it was that first night where I like made up my mind. I was like, all right, Raghorn Five's going down. Like, let's you know, decent any branch antler bull. Let's go, um, just so we can fill tags and get to you. And I, yeah, I think I remember telling you that that night. Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, I guess we we uh, just slept in the bivy sacks that night. Woke up. Um, and really nothing the first probably half hour, 45 minutes. We kind of tore down camp. I was it's one of the things I like about backpacking and camp. Like we're literally, you know, you're out the freaking bivy sack and glassing immediately. Um, you're in the country. There's no wasted time hiking in. You don't got to get up early and uh, hike in the dark. We're, we're, we're right there. So, you know, during the night, I think both of us like, ah, I didn't hear any bugles. Did you hear any bugles? No. Um, so we knew nothing was like super close to us or at least talking. And, um, but we had this kind of dilemma of uh, like, okay, we're back in here. We, we told Tyler we'd be out by noon. Really, we need to be hiking by, you know, nine 30, 10 to go get back out and meet him. Um, but you know, it's the same time. It's like, man, we want to hunt. We want to kill something here. So, uh, you, you split off down the Ridge one way. I went the other way. And, um, I don't think I, by the time I got there, sat down and started glassing for five minutes, a bowl fires off. Like, you know, it's definitely well below me. It, you know, it's, it's so hard to tell sometimes, but I knew it was like, okay, it's, it's 400 to 800 yards down there. It's down their ways and the sound could carry pretty far. So I throw my pack on, run back, grab you, bring you over there. Um, 
tell you, all right, we got a bull bugling down here. Let's go kill him. Uh, of course, it's it's you know fifteen hundred feet down, straight down <laughs> the opposite way of where we need to be, start hiking here in a few hours to go meet Tyler. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, well, let's just go down there and see what happens. And and we know, you know, obviously we got the in reaches, so we can message Tyler if plans change and couldn't get there. And um, yeah, we're just running down the ridge, running down the ridge, and we're not running, um, hunting, you know, moving slow and following elk tracks. And and I never did hear that bull bugle again. Um. But as we were going down the steep ridge, there's just elk sign everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. absolutely everywhere. Um, and I'm just, I kind of remember just constantly telling you, like, man, just, like, take your time moving down this. Keep your head on a swivel. Like, any second we're going to kill an elk. Just the amount, like, there was fresh tracks from that morning, you know, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and old track. I mean, it's just elk sign everywhere. So, uh, it's like, okay, we're just, like, kind of got into, like, super hunt mode of, this is going to happen any second, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. And there not only was like the sign great, but the, the country was just like, it was one of those areas yeah. where like, man, like this lays out perfect for shot opportunities. It, yeah. it just looks like country that would hold elk. Like it was, it was, it was legit. Like you said, like I think both of our heads for quite a while that morning, once we started moving, was like, man, this could happen at any second right now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Sometimes you get that like I said, I like to do a lot of visualization, right. Of like, I could see an elk being there. And, um, that was one of those places, like, as you just mentioned is like, yeah, it's going to happen any second. Uh, <laughs> and, um, so we start just working down the ridge, working down the ridge and just not turning up anything, you know, and I think an hour goes by two hours go by and we're getting pretty close to the bottom. Um, and I don't think you spotted the bull crossing that Creek, right? That was where, yeah, we kind of got, kind of elk, yeah. yeah, we got the end of the ridge and, you know, you're at the end of the ridge and then it literally just drops almost straight down. Um, and then there's that water below in the bottom. And yeah, I think we just sat and we're glassing for a couple minutes and I looked further down that creek and I was like, oh my gosh, there's elk right there crossing the creek. And at first it just saw, I think like two or three cows um, and then a couple more came behind it. And I'm telling you like, I don't see a bull yet. I don't see a bull and I didn't know if somehow he had crossed before or if he was tailing behind, but I'm just like scanning for a bull and not finding anything. Um, and then you're glassing. And I just remember you legit being like big bull, let's go, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, I could see I could just see his antlers. I knew it was a big mature bull, uh, is moving through the trees about right across the Creek. And I think that was a cool thing about using those, um, uh, those SIG rangefinding binos was having the rangefinder built in. So I'm glassing the bowl. I click on it and it was like 980 yards away. Um, the terrain didn't like, once we dropped down, it didn't lay out well for us to like get a shot, you know, mm-hmm. just, just knowing we're, we're going to kind of be down there and be blind for a little bit and probably end up getting pretty close. But, you know, immediately I'm like, let's cover 500 yards right now, uh, get down there, get closer. And so we can make an opportunity out of this. Yeah. Um, and when you and so, say yeah, right now, you were physically saying right now, cause we freaking yeah. bombed off that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Literally just started run. It was, you know, it was, it was so steep and sandy that you could just run down that thing. Um, and yeah, we dropped down. I think that, that last little steep, steep pitch was probably six, 700 feet, something like that. Yeah. Um, dropped all the way down to the bottom. And then unfortunately, once we got down there, it was kind of what I was fearing was that, you know, the visibility was bad. There wasn't shooting lanes. Um, but I think, uh, as we're dropping down, another bull started bugling like across the Creek up the other side. Um, 
And uh, so we're like, holy crap, we got two freaking bowls right here, right on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so we bombed down across the creek and I got you in the lead. Kind of we're like, we got to cover probably, you know, three, 400 yards um, and get to like, we wanted to climb up on the opposite side of the creek, or basically the side they were on and they crossed to see like, okay, let's see if we can get down here, get a vantage point on them. Um, it was so, it was fun for me hunting with a gun. Like I said, it's still a new concept to me. Like, obviously I'm just so used to having my bow in hand. The strategy is so different, but you're sitting there looking at the terrain going, man, if, if we can get, you know, 150 feet up on this side, it's only going to be 400 yard shot across this, you know, the bottom of this Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're up in front and then all of a sudden I see an elk right off to the left. Um, Mark, stop, like, you know, trying to whistle at you, get you to come back. And, yeah. and then we got a, a little bull sitting right there. We just see a body of something sitting right there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember putting glass up and, you know, you're kind of telling me like, oh, see that dead log. It's right there. And um, I caught a glimpse of him. Couldn't see any head, any antlers, just see body. Um, and, you know, he's kind of feeding, moving off to the side. And then well, I'm trying to keep tabs on him and see him. I'm also trying to get into a shooting position and it was kind of, you know, sitting essentially on a hillside. So I'm getting out the trekking poles with those um, quick sticks on them to shoot off of and trying to get the right height for that. And I'm still not sure, like, as I'm doing that, what this bull is looking like. Um, and I think you were able to, you know, keep glass on a mortal while I was kind of getting set up and, and in position. Um, so at one point I remember losing him like, Oh crap, where is he? And I transitioned from trying to find him in my binos to then getting somewhat set up with the rifle and then trying to find him in the scope. Um, and then I think you'd mentioned, you know, he was kind of moving left to right, kind of like uphill diagonal. And I guess he started kind of like feeding back, coming right to left a little bit. Um, and I remember, you know, you were ranging him, and he was at like what three thirty or three sixty something yeah, like that. Three three thirty four. Yeah. Yeah. So three thirty. Um. And then I I just caught like a glimpse of him. Um. Caught his antlers. He looked like a you know a three or four point, pretty small. Um. And then he you know he kept he was feeding still, and then he stops again. And I'm literally scope on them, holding on the vitals, uh, on the shooting sticks. I think safety off, like, and he was just stopped at perfect, perfect um, angle, broadside on the vitals. And uh, I think at that point, I, I remember not being able to see him again really well in terms of like his antlers. I was just like, his head was behind a tree. I had full access broadside to his body. Um. And I don't know, man, like what I just said about like not passing a smaller bull, like in that moment, I just, I wasn't like super excited. Um, I don't know how otherwise to say it, but it wasn't like, oh yeah, this is it. I wasn't like jacked up. I wasn't, I don't know. I just had like this piece of like, nah, nah, you know, like, I don't know. Um, and I think uh, honestly, a big part of that was what you had just mentioned, Steve, like there's two herd bulls with cows screaming their heads off in the exact same area. So it's like, you know, I, I got the shot at this little three point or little four points and I know nothing certain, but at the same time, like there's two very vocal, very aggressive, bigger bulls, like right in the same little uh, area that we could pursue. So just ended up 
ended up passing him in. <laughs> yeah. Trigger happy me. It was like, come on, shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just get so anxious. I just want to want to pull yeah. the trigger and see stuff die, start packing meat. So Well, and to be honest, yeah. that was like it was another factor. We from where we had, you know, we had backpacked in several miles and then now we're moving the opposite direction from camp. Now we had lost a ton of elevation. Um, well, not a ton, but at least a thousand plus feet, but very steep. Um, and honestly, that played a factor too of like what I went back to earlier on not wanting to be selfish and, you know, take up all kinds of time for the hunt. It's like, man, even if I do shoot this small bull right now, like we're still back in here so far that like we're just at that point where this is going to take a lot of time to pack out anything um and so that was a little bit of a factor too was just where we were um but yeah i i don't know like i don't know you're always processing a bunch of thoughts like quickly and at the same time that shot opportunity exists for a few moments and you're always running through a lot in your head but yeah in the end i just can't say like i wasn't like super excited and just kind of had peace to let him go yeah so yeah, you let him go. And then, um, you know, we we're probably 200 ish yards from where that bull and cow crossed the Creek. And, yeah. uh, so like, all right, let's, we, we just kind of moved that way naturally. We knew we were going that way. And then basically we got to a point where we stopped and it's like, okay, here's choice A or choice B choice A. We, we climb kind of do our original plan, climb up the hillside on, on the, on the side of the Creek that we're on hope that that bull, once he crossed the Creek, didn't go too far um and and didn't go too far up the hillside because if he did then he's out of range and then we're hosed um or we crossed the creek where we did basically follow their tracks up the hill and this is where you know frankly having onyx was huge pulled out onyx and kind of like look at the terrain you know you can draw a measuring line on there of like okay if you know if we get up to this point on our side of the creek and the bull is basically at that same elevation across i think it was like 700 yards and that's both, both further than you or I wanted to shoot. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, well, it's probably a smart play to go up on, on our side of the Creek, relocate them, make a plan. But, but at the same time, we're kind of in this hurry of like, well, we, we either need to go get this bull killed and text Tyler bull down, or we, you know, at some point we got to think about turning back around and go meet them. Um, and then, um, yeah, for, for the, the way that the terrain looked to cross the Creek and go after him, it looked like if kind of did this really steep little 200 foot climb, but then it kind of had like this little mini Ridge and then opened up into a bowl. And so we're looking at Onyx and you're looking down there, like seeing what you see on the map, seeing what you're seeing in person going, man, if we climb up there and they're right in that bowl, it, it you know, he's going to be within 400 yards. Yeah. Um, so ultimately we decided to, you know, the, the Creek was deep enough. We had to take the, uh, Actually, you did it with we with yeah <laughs> yeah you you wussed out and did it with your boots and and uh, gaiters on. I went and I just took everything off and went barefoot across it. And um, well, so you yeah, didn't I have think, gaiters yeah. either. Yeah, no, no, I didn't have gaiters. Yeah, yeah. true. Um, so yeah, both get across. Um, and this is the bull. At this point, the bulls had both shut up. That we haven't since that kind of you you had the crosshairs on that that small raghorn. Neither one of the bulls above us had talked. Um, or they were talking and we couldn't hear them. You know, we, we had no idea where they were, what was going on. Um, we get across Creek decide like both of us are basically out of water. Like, okay, we better stop. And, you know, it's such a tough, such a pain in the butt thing to do of, um, like you're literally in the middle of a hunt, but we got to stop and, and spend five minutes here, get some water. 
Yeah. We and we that. didn't yeah. we didn't have water that morning and not much that night prior. Like oh, we, yeah. were we were backpacked on that ridge and we went yeah. in with not much water and then that's all we had for like that whole late afternoon, night for dinner. Um I remember like giving you water for coffee in the morning. Like we did not have much water for not quite twenty four hours at this point, but like for a fair amount of time. But it's like a tough thing to do to like be disciplined enough to stop yourself. But I I think I remember saying like we better get water because if we go up there and kill this bull, there's not going to be water up there. We're basically out. We, you know, it could be eight hours by the time we get back down to this creek, and we're going to be really, really thirsty. You know, starting to get dehydrated. So, take the time, get everything filled up, start getting packs loaded up, start climbing up the hill. And the second we do that little 200 foot deal and kind of come over this little mini this kind of ridge that then runs out. Um, bam, bull bugles, and it's like, holy crap, he is right, right here somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't, what was your thoughts at that time? I was just glad to have him fired up again. And we should say this whole time too, like we weren't, we weren't calling, like we didn't come up and then call and try and get a response. It was just, um, he was firing off on his own. And, you know, we had even seen, um, that prior night when we had glass and bulls, like they were full on head down tailing cows like we had even though that night prior we didn't hear much um just from the way of what we observed glassing them like it looked like full-on you know rut activity like it looked like late september to be honest with you um and so it was so nice that they were talking on their own and we're not we're not trying to force that um you know i'm always like that's one thing i think i've kind of learned the hard way if a bull's talking let them talk like you know, shut up and you know close the distance and so it was it felt good to be in that position like you were saying earlier just coming from the more bow hunting mindset like that's still where my head was with this pursuit of like man let's just let him talk let's figure out the best way to watch the wind and close the distance and be smart and not bust him out but um yeah man i was i was super jacked when we we came over that little rise and then there he is firing off again and it was i mean he was talking you could hear a bunch of cows going off like it was it's just always fun to be in that environment yeah it was full-on like late september elk bugling experience which i was not i was expecting to hear bugles but this was this was like awesome bow hunting with a rifle in hand it was pretty cool so um so yeah we we knew he was up you know, sometimes it's just so hard. And this was kind of, this was part of this was an old burn, but there was also some green trees standing um, and sound just carries funny in there. Like it's consistent, like thick green trees, you know, the sound doesn't carry very far, but it just depended on the position he was at. It's like, man, he sounds like he's 150 yards away. And the next bugle is like, no, he's 400 yards. He's up there on the ridge. And we, we really had a tough time pinpointing it. Um, but we knew there was really only one option because the, the two bulls were bugling the one that was closest to us, you know, basically right in front of us. And the other one was higher up on this, on this finger Ridge coming down to the left. And, um, we knew, uh, basically like looked at the winds, you know, it was, we're getting probably, what do you say? It's like nine 30 to 10 o'clock here. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the sun has come up, but the, the thermals are, there's basically a, a strong prevailing wind that's kind of coming out of the Northwest. Uh, the thermals are still kind of coming down and then, also, when you're in the sun, the thermal's kicking up. So it was really poor <laughs> winds. Um, and we decided to be like super safe, kind of side hill around and get on the backside of another finger ridge and come up and try to get above that bowl. 
Um, and so we just started doing that. And meanwhile, both bulls are screaming, you know, and it's hard not just to go straight at them, but the winds are, you knew if we did, we would have just blown the whole thing up. So, yeah, I um, mean, the thermals at this time of morning, it was literally, if you're standing in more open, um, cover, you know, where there's less cover and it's getting sun, they were going up and then you could walk 20 yards. And then now you're in a little more green timber and now it's coming down. Like it's, it's just, it depends literally where you're standing in terms of what the wind's doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we side hill around and then at some point during the side hill and I look up and I see just ears of a cow over the top and the range of the tree that she was walking in front of and she was only a hundred yards up there. Um, but you could hear the bull bugling like 50, 60 yards behind her and like, man, it's like so tempting to just go straight at them right now and get this thing killed. But it would just, just, just didn't seem like a good idea. So we keep side hilling and then end up kind of in this little, you know, basically, this, uh, spring that's coming out of the mountain. And it's got it's shaded and dark and it's got a good downhill wind. Um, but I guess to get to there, we crossed a couple good sunny slopes um, where the thermals were definitely just blowing straight up at the elk. And they're only, you know, 150 yards above us. We're like, yeah, you know, kind of run through those real quick, getting that um, little spring thing, follow it up. Um, and somewhere in there, about halfway up, they just stopped talking. Um, but we have no indication that anything's changed you know just assuming they're still in the same spot um takes a little while it's it's you know we probably had to climb 800 feet straight up brushy steep loose you know it wasn't like uh didn't happen super quick um and uh we finally get up there get to a point where like okay i think where the bull last was we're above them um you know and and to me it was kind of on this ridge, like you, know, you could tell by looking at the maps, like where they were was this benchy little where the ridge kind of benched out. Um, and so I like to me seemed like a natural point that they probably just all settled down and bedded down right there. And like, I like, man, okay, we're, we're dialed. We're set here. Start side hilling in there. And, and I remember um, telling you like, just literally man, one step at a time. Cause it's, there was no, you know, vantage point here. It was, it was kind mm-hmm. of going in there bow hunting style with a rifle. Uh, like it was a shot was going to happen. It's probably going to be quick. So it was, you know, one step, look left, right, up, down, see if we see any movement, you know, nothing. And then just, we kind of basically did that for about 150 yards and got to where the elk were standing and, and they were gone. Um, nothing was talking. There's tracks all over the place. Um, nothing looked like it had ran, but you know, I think we both just assumed like, oh man, they must have, like when we crossed one of those sunny patches down below us, they must have just got enough scent of our wind that they took off. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we were uh, basically right on that little bench. We are like, well, it's, you know, it's 1030, something like that. I don't know. Let's sit down. Let's um, uh, eat a snack. We're both kind of getting hungry. And then um, let's just kind of sit and listen. You know, sometimes it's like you're super, super aggressive in a hunt and then all of a sudden you just gotta stop be patient wait like let the let the next decision kind of be made for you and obviously we knew that other bull was was right there on the ridge across from us um you know we didn't have great vantage point like you um, you there's a couple little spots if the bull stepped out into you could shoot but we didn't really know where they were that nothing had talked um so we sit down and i think while we're eating you heard a bull bugle and it was like up and over the ridge from us and like holy crap yeah. if that's if that's the bull that was standing right where we are they really freaking moved mm-hmm. um and um so we eat our snack and i think of, i think you're the one who spotted the, a cow basically directly across from us on the ridge you know just 
just yeah. a head and ears kind of sitting almost there like skylined yeah, yeah. um I'm like oh man okay sweet like confirm that that other bull and those cows are still right there um and then at that point it's like okay do we sit here and hope the bull comes back on this side of the ridge uh or do we get aggressive do we just go you know go right over there after him and try to get a shot off so what um yeah, at that point, what were you kind of thinking was going to be the best strategy? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to give it at least a few minutes because I think at first I saw the one cow and they're basically on this little finger um, and they were just right on the point of it. And so literally that cow was kind of like skylined. And I'm like, man, if they're just kind of like feeding, hanging out on this little finger ridge, like, you know, maybe that bull, which sounded like he's over the other side, maybe he's just going to pop up. Maybe he's, you know, going to feed or check on cows or what have you. Um you know, I, at one point, like, I remember we had sat and got a snack. We even like pulled our, um, uh, our tarps out cause everything was frozen in the morning. So we're like letting those kind of air out, dry out. They were in the pack. And so, you know, we were set up and I remember getting his shooting position, glassing that cow. And it was like four, somewhere between four and four fifty, I think. Um, and super solid rest. I'm like, man, if that bull comes here, like I feel fully comfortable. I mean, prone off a bipod like i'd take that shot all day um and then i think as we were glassing i think you glassed another cow so i'm like man if these cows start like coming over um that might pull the bull over and then you know i was you know kind of had that hope but then at the same time like that one cow you know i noticed like it was legit looking at us you know and i'm like i don't know how alert it is um definitely looking our direction so i'm like you know, are we pinned down? Should we make a move? Should we be patient? Like you're just always going through all those things. Um, and in the end, like the side that the bull was on seemed to be what it favored. It's, it's the side that we had glassed it from prior. And so I'm like, man, I don't know that anything's bringing is going to bring it over onto the side that we can see and onto the side we can shoot because it seems like from what we had glass prior it's already spending most of the time on the other side the side that it's on currently which is the side we can't see the side we don't have a shot opportunity at um, and i think you even mentioned at one point and i fully agree it's like if we had all day you know maybe um it's a smart play to stay here and see if you know just give it time right whether that's an hour or even three hours to see if they come over, at least see if we hear them. Um, but we not only were supposed to meet Tyler, we also didn't pack um, a bunch of food. <laughs> like we were carrying camp, but we had only planned on being out the one night we were out. And so we only had the food for the day. So it's like, we can't really just post up here and be like, oh, we'll just see what happens. And if we spend the night here, great. Um, so yeah, we just kind of we backed up, um, decided to, you know, gain some elevation once again, and then kind of circle around, um, and side hill into that finger ridge with, you know, elevation in our favor based on the thermals, which, you know, it's later. So the thermals were rising and it's also, um, you know, a little bit more open to where it has that same exposure. They were going to be rising either way. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you spotted that cow and like you said, she was very just like, statue staring our direction like you know it's like there's no way she saw us there's there's you know broken up trees and deadfall um but she is just, just very pegged. pegged right in our direction um and then i'm we're just watching her watching her watching her and eventually she kind of looks uphill she looks downhill 
And then she turns and she kind of walks away and it was in her, you caught just enough movement to tell like in her body, kind of body language that it was like, she didn't, you know what I mean? Like she didn't like what was going on. Like she mm-hmm. saw something, she saw some movement. Uh, she couldn't smell us. The wind was great in our favor. Um, and as I saw her walk away, I saw glimpses of another cow below her basically follow her. Um, and I think that to me was for, for me to decide like, yep, yeah, okay, this is the right decision. We need to, we need to back, back up, get around this ridge and go get above them. Cause that like those, that little bit of an indicator told me like, mm, okay, that there's something going on here. We need to go, if we're going to kill this bull, you know, anytime soon we need to be aggressive. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, we just started climbing up and I, I was kind of leading the way and I, I, I wanted to get over there and get after him. And we, we kind of like go behind this ridge, climb up a couple hundred feet, you know, and I'd poke back out and there was just never um, like a, an easy path that we weren't going to go through um, or there was never a, a covered path. Yeah. We were exposed. Uh, yeah, we were exposed. Like I so said, I'd pop out and like, damn it. Like, all right, let's back, back up, you know, go 30 yards back around the corner, climb up the hill and did that like three times. Cause it was, when you're sitting down there, it looks like, okay, we just got to get up a little bit higher and we'll be clear to walk all the way over across and be, you know, there was this kind of rock outcropping. It's like, clearly that's where we need to get. Um, but we just kind of had, kind of had to just freaking back in, back out, back in, back out. Um, and eventually got to a point like, okay, yeah, we're clear. If there are still cows left bedded on that finger ridge, um, they're not gonna be able to see us. So kind of get over there. Um, and uh yeah, get over there as quick as we can and then literally yeah we get on top and like all right where's the elk where's the elk we, we got pretty good vantage point from where we're at i mean there's lots of it's it's kind of a pretty thick old burn right there so it's um even though it's kind of open and you could see body parts of elk if, if they were there uh it's still thick enough that they have cover mm-hmm. um, so yeah what uh what happens next yeah i mean we kind of pop out like you said and it is one thing that I'm, you know, this country lays out different than a lot of stuff I've hunted. And then just being, you know, more cows like herded up with bulls. It's like, I was just, you know, nervous, like you said, of just, man, maybe there's still cows on that rear. Like we saw those two go over, but maybe there's still some on the side that we're just not spotting. And so I was on one hand wanting to just get over there. And then on the other hand, I'm like still kind of glassing, still keeping my eye out. Like you said, we're kind of popping like in and out of good and bad positions. Um, but yeah, once we finally just made it over there without what I had thought without spooking anything, I just felt like, okay, sweet. And as you said, it was good vantage point. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, we just got to like get here. The wind is good. You know, we came in high, the thermals are, they're rising up. Like, I think we'll pop over what we had seen of, you know, this side that we're coming to, um, what we had seen of it prior looked to be pretty, pretty freaking open. And so in my mind, I'm just like, we're just going to pop out here. Great vantage point. Hopefully glass something up. Um, Just felt really good about having a ton of shot opportunities, shooting lanes, because like I said, it was fairly open. Like there's a low brush, but... Um, as you said, a lot of the trees were burned and just not super thick. So, um, yeah, I just had hopes, man. Like they're going to be, we're going to come over good vantage point. We'll be hanging out and we get there and those thoughts are running through my head and then, uh, hear the bull fire off and, you know, just rip a bugle. And I can't remember if we said it before or afterwards, but I think both of us kind of like got in glass right away because I thought like, as soon as I heard the bugle, my first thought was, 
he's below us at like 300 or 350 yards. Like the first thing I do is get in class and um, go to that direction. You know, that I felt like the sound was coming from. Yep. Yeah. Same exact thought. Just like, Oh, he's, he's, it's like, we should be able to see him. You know, like I said, it's, it's a lot of standing uh, burnt timber, um, but get the glass up. We'll, we'll pick him out. He's down there somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm getting the glass up. And then yeah, at some point you're like, he's right there. <laughs> yeah. Take the glass down and they are right below us a hundred yards away. Yeah. So yeah, I had, you know, kind of glassed briefly and I'm like not seeing anything, the direction I thought the bugle was or how far I thought the bugle was. And I just kind of like, instinctively came out of the glass like you know you only have so much field of view obviously so i just come out to like kind of basically just scan i didn't think he was going to be right there i just came out to scan the the wider hillside and uh with my naked eye and as soon as i did that come out of the glass like i catch movement below us and the movement is tines like just freaking the top of the elk rack kind of side hilling right below us um you know couldn't really see body or anything like that just because of how steep it was and how the country laid out. But yeah, that's when I was like, oh, he's right here. He's right here. And uh, yeah, I mean, he was a right freak in there. He's kind of side hilling, not spooked, like has no idea we're there. There's cows milling around. Um, and so instantly it was like, is I couldn't even see all of them, but I just saw the top and like instantly, I'm like, you know, what I said prior about not being super excited was 100% the opposite now of like, oh yeah, this is like, oh yeah, I'll shoot this sucker. Uh, in a heartbeat and so I just see that and like immediately tell you like he's right here he's right here and stop you know I start dropping um, to get into shooting position um, once again it was he was below us so it was kind of downhill um, probably could have just stood and you know free-handed but I always like regardless of the distance want to get some stability and rest and I had um, already and in hindsight this was I'm really glad I did but I was obviously wearing my pack, carrying my rifle in one hand, and then in the other hand, I was carrying the trekking poles, which were already attached with those uh, quick sticks. So literally in hand, really fast to deploy, able to throw uh, the shooting sticks up, get the rifle on it. Um, and yeah, it was just like, it happened fast, man, as <laughs> it often does. Like it went from... Um, thinking he was a few hundred yards out to seeing him really close to then like I'm set up, I'm on the sticks, he's in the scope. Um, it was close enough where I knew the distance didn't really matter, but in my head, I'm always like wanting to make sure I'm not crazy. So I remember asking you like, what's yeah. the range? What's the range? <laughs> I probably fly, like a like, dumb question, but. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I'm going back to that, I never told you this, but I, I never ranged. I was like, he's a hundred yards. I know, I shoot, figured you like, did, yeah. Like, <laughs> like asking me the range, like hundred yards, shoot. Doesn't yeah. freaking matter. Like, yeah, I get know. the shot off now. And, and how, you know, I was, I was probably not being a good um, wingman because I was like, freaking shoot like get the shot off because he was in a great spot and it felt like if he took two more steps that he could like the way the cows were walking um and feeding away from us like you were just it, like if he literally had to take two more steps turn. he could turn at an angle and just walked away from us for 500 yards and never got a shot off like yep. that's just what was going through my head yeah. um and i was like shoot mark shoot mark shoot mark 100 yards shoot you know like, yeah uh, and you're trying to get super steady on the sticks and then uh, eventually like as you were getting really close, I was like, oh, crap, I better tell Mark, like, slow down, take your time, which you were already doing, you know, but that's yeah. good when you have someone in your ear, like, helping you calm down and make a good shot. So Yeah. Yeah, when he was, yeah, he was kind of like, he was side hilling below us, but angling 
away from us. So as he yeah. would continue to walk, he was going from broadside to essentially quartering away if he just kept on the same path. And yeah. so I had that same thing in my head of like, I don't want him to turn because there was cows off to his left where if he turned to his left, he'd be, you know, butt to us. And I had the same thing in my head of like, okay, I got a good window now. I don't think it's going to last long, but then at the same time, like also not wanting to rush a shot. Right. So it was yeah. that, it was that balance of everything's happening quick, but I also don't want to rush. Um, and I was, you know, we've said this on the podcast, you've said it, guests have said it. Like, I just think it's easy to assume you don't have time and to feel super yeah. rushed. And sometimes that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's my default. So like I was kind of purposely pulling back from that and being like, all right, you have time to like take a breath, take a shot, you know, like do it right. Um, and not just rushed, even though it felt like this moment's disappearing. Right. Yeah. Um, I, so. I agree. I said, um, it, to me, it was just a situation where it's like, I could very easily see him taking a step and us not getting a shot off. I mean, it, without like, something's like us having to move another hundred yards or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. You always got that half second longer to just like, let that breath of air out, squeeze the trigger. You know, it doesn't take long. So yeah. Um, yeah. Gun goes off. Um, yeah. And when, yeah, I would say, so I had him in my scope. Um, my, the scope I was running, uh, is on low power. It's at a four X and he's like a hundred yards. Like it was great, uh, view. He had, when he was feeding, he was like in and out of these little brushy pockets. And essentially when I was like fully settled, ready to shoot, I couldn't see his head, um, couldn't see his antlers and his, essentially his front shoulder was obscured through brush, kind of like brush and sticks. Um, and so I was essentially trying to get as far forward as possible towards the shoulder, but then also walking that line of like, I can only go so forward without shooting through brush. And then obviously this is all happening quick. You know, I'm like, is there any big sticks through there? Is it clean brush? Like, is it just vegetation I can shoot through? Like all that's happening fast. And so I essentially got as far forward towards the shoulders I could hugging the brush line. It put me, I mean, dead square in the vitals, but still a little bit back from the shoulder. Um, you know, essentially a lung shot, right? Um, felt great. Squeeze the trigger gun goes off and, I see him, I felt fantastic about how the shot broke. He kind of, um, you know, takes some steps and I think pretty quick, Steve, you're like, I don't know, like, I think you missed. And in my head, I'm like, there's no way I missed like at this distance. And I felt great. I mean, it's possible yeah. for sure. But in my head, I'm like, nah, man, I feel like that felt great. And you know, as those thoughts are processing, like I see him start to wobble, um, and go down, uh, which was obviously felt great. And so he goes down, drops. Um, he was still kicking a little bit and, you know, again, everything's happening so fast. This was probably a matter of a second or two, but you're always processing thoughts super fast. And I'm like, all right, he's kicking a little bit. I'll just give him a second, see if he just stops. But then he kind of like, he moved his upper body, like his front legs a little bit and kind of his head a little bit. He didn't even pick it up, but he just moved a little bit. That gave me that like quick instinct of like, okay, he's trying to get up. Um, and so I was still in the scope watching him and the, essentially, um, you know, he's down kind of belly towards us. And, um, I basically was like, man, I'm just going to put another one in him. 
And the best shot I had was to go through essentially almost like a frontal kind of. Um, he's down on the ground, but essentially up through his chest kind of towards the front. So um, just another one in him real quick. And he was down and done deal. And uh, yeah, man, exciting. <laughs> it happened quick. Yeah, it was, it was really fun to be over your shoulder, man, and just see it all go down. And um, then the instant realization of, like I look up and you could actually see from our vantage point, like where the truck was parked. And I was like, yeah, where we came from. Huh? Okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> like yeah. We're back here. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, no, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, he had probably, we figured 10 to 12 cows with him maybe. Um, and they were like, they were all just still, um, kind of scattered on this hillside. And that was, one thing it was the first so it was the first time you guys have listened to prior episodes talking about getting uh shooting suppressors uh mm. in the past year so it was the first animal i've shot with a suppressor and you know you this is the first time you were there to shoot something yeah. with a suppressor and i remember you saying man that was quiet out here like in open country it was pretty quiet and then we both kind of like observed the cows like they kind of knew something happened but they just weren't like spooked like they were just there um and so we we're like, man, this is like a, you know, just one off scenario. But like, it really seemed like the animal reaction to the suppressed shot was way different than a standard rifle shot. Um, so it was, it was interesting to kind of observe that. Um, and then as we can talk about later, the same thing happened with your bull. So yeah, man, he was, I don't know. He was, he was, he made it what, 30, 40 yards or something like that, you know, from when I first shot. I don't even yeah. know. Yeah. If that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't go far and piled up and died. And yeah, that the suppressor thing was super interesting. There was just no, you know, a rifle shot goes off and it just echoes and it, you know, just down the canyon is super loud. And this just like it was just like and then done. It's gone. Yeah. And all the elk were just like even your bull. That's why I thought you had missed because the way he reacted, he just they, it's like they all heard the noise and they ran like you know, I don't some of the cows didn't even run, but he no. ran like 20 30 yards just stopped was looking around just standing there kind of looked back up our direction um and the cows are just standing looking around i mean it's almost like they reacted as if a, a tree fell down that was like 100 yards away from them you know just mm -hmm. kind of a snap bang and it was done um mm -hmm. and they're just looking around and they kind of almost the cows just kind of calm down and then you know this this all happens in seconds obviously and then the bull the, the bull flops down and then then they realize like oh something is kind of going on um yeah. And uh, yeah, it was very, very interesting to observe that how that silencer worked out there and the suppressor worked out there. So yeah, so, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was down in sight. Obviously, um, we watched him go down, knowing I had two good shots in him, and observing him glass, and like he's just down. It, it, I always enjoy the fact you don't have to like wait through the like scenario of. Sh shoot him with a bow he runs off you don't see him and now you gotta wait like yeah. an hour and a half and just sit there and have all those thoughts you know yes. <laughs> it was yeah. it was nice just to have him right there have him down we didn't have to really wait so get to him right away um you know the first thing i noticed is like he was just all busted up um one of his front <laughs> tines was like broken in half one of his g2s was like gone at the base um one of his other points was like just at the point was broken up a bit and i was like dang this is super cool like 
you know, some guys would be disappointed because, you know, you lose this length and score. And I'm like, I could care less. I think he has a ton of character. He has this other weird, like, bump thing going on near one of his bases. And I'm like, it's just a cool story. And I'm like, just seeing his antlers, I was like, this is like a scrappy old bull. And we get down there and yeah. he's big body. Um, and I remember, you know, just kind of taking it in. And at one point, Showing, I was like, oh, look at this, Steve. And like right in the shoulder, he had this weird, um, where a patch of hair was missing and had a scar. And you're like, oh, yeah, somebody shot him in the shoulder. You know, it's like an old broadhead wound type thing, which it totally looked like. Um, and then as we got to looking at him more, both then and then um, as we were skinning him and all that, like he was just, he had wounds from this year. He had wounds from your prior. Like he had just scars and wounds all over him um and obviously with his rack busted up i was like dude this this guy was a fighter for sure yeah i was i have cut up a lot of elk and i have never seen that before that i mean he had probably by the time it was all said and done i don't know 18 19 20 different scars on his body it, it yeah. was so freaking cool yeah um, yeah so he was definitely a i, I remember saying like man i'd this guy would have been a fun one to bow hunt, uh, you know, and yep. bugle in because he would have come running in just tearing just trees up. And very aggressive bull. Um, so, yeah, it was cool too. I remember uh, going back a little bit when we were sitting um, after that first bull had, um, we we're sitting on that glassing point after the first bull had moved up the hill. I text Tyler, like, hey, we're back here, man. It's like not looking good. Uh, we'll just meet you at camp at dark. Um, and, and of course, Tyler, I mean, he drove through the night from Montana. And he's like, F that man. I'm like, he didn't, I didn't know this, but he's obviously thinking this, like I'm coming and I'm going to go find you guys. Yeah. He's uh, like, I'm not I'm sitting at camp. Yeah. I'm not going to sit in camp and waste time. And you know, like, okay. Uh, or, you know, um, he just took off and headed in the direction of like where my message came from. Uh, so once we, once I, you know, it, was, it wasn't that much longer, 45 minutes, your bowl was down. I text him bowl down and he's like, sweet. I'm already on my way. You know, I'm like, holy crap. So yeah. it worked out. The timing of it was beautiful. I mean, he, he humped it all the way in there, crossed that Creek, climbed up the other side. And literally about the time we were two thirds of the way broken down, Tyler shows up. So it was like this extra body to come pack meat. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah I think we were literally pulling off, uh, you know, we did the one side backstrap and quarters and neck meat yeah. got him moved, which was a chore in of itself. He kind of yeah, was yeah. down in a really just yeah. kind of like not terrible, but not good position. Yeah. Um, he had like tree, he was, when he went down, he was like, his back was against trees. So even like trying to skin down the spine and got the back straps was, he was just not in good position. So anyway, we, we moved him a bit, did the one side, moved him again. And then we're pulling off like the last rear quarter had just maybe started on it. And literally Tyler shows up like perfect timing, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. So, yeah. So we got three guys there and we're like, man, let's, we can one trip this sucker out of here. Um, you know, we're just kind of like doing the math on what things are going to weigh. And obviously I've, um, Tyler as well. And, and, uh, have really leaned toward just leaving the bone in, um, for packing out. And the, and the main reason is just like getting the most meat possible. Um, you know, it, it just, uh, dries up a lot better. And then when you take it to the butcher, they have a lot less, uh, meat that's been exposed to air that they got to cut off. So it's kind of a, you just get a lot more meat if, if you can leave a bone in. Um, but so that was kind of the original plan was probably, I think before Tyler, had, we knew Tyler was on the way. It was like, well, we'll just get this thing quartered. We'll hung up. We'll each grab a hind quarter. We'll pack it out of here. We'll come back tomorrow with Tyler 
and get the rest of it. And then all of a sudden he's there and like, wow, we got three of us. We, we could probably do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, um, uh, the only thing we decided is like, well, I guess to one trip this, uh, let's leave the bone on the hind where the vast majority of the meat's coming, but we can debone the fronts. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then that should get us about where we need to be to be able to do it. So we uh, got all three packs loaded up. It was, you know, it was steep, uh, uh, steep enough that it wasn't easy to do. In fact, we like had intended to shoot some videos, you know, like live in the field, basically loading up elk quarters into the XO. And uh, it was just so steep that it just, it just didn't work. <laughs> like stuff was sliding yeah. everywhere. It just wasn't like, okay, this isn't kind of need a nice flat space to lay everything yeah. out and shoot a nice video. And, I remember we um, had that, I had yeah. one meat bag, like sitting on a down tree, um, you know, oh, yeah. already bagged up and just cooling off and like out of the middle of nowhere, like it had been sitting there for 10 or 15 minutes on the middle of the where it just slides down the tree and starts tumbling down the hill. And Tyler's yeah. like, I don't think that's stopping. And sure yeah. enough, like it's just <laughs> end over end, like flying down this hillside and eventually finally gets caught up on a tree, thankfully. But it, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was steep, man, for sure. Yeah. So we, we loaded everything up uh, and then just started heading down the hill. Uh, it was, you know, um, the pack out's always tricky because it's like, um, I remember I knew the way we came in. I was like, okay, we're not going to go back out that way. I asked Tyler, like, hey, you came up this other finger ridge to meet us. How was that hiking? And he's like, it's not bad. You know, it's a, it's, it's a little rocky in places. And then I'm looking down um, below us. And, and generally, it's not a good idea to kind of get into like a, a, a bottom, right? Like stay on the finger ridges. They're usually like less brush, more clear. Um, but I was like, man, it doesn't look bad. Um, so we, uh, um, decided to go that route and ended up being money. We just, we literally were able to, uh, I mean, it was steep and, uh, I don't know what, maybe 1600 feet up pretty steep, just straight down to that Creek in the bottom. And mm-hmm. we got down there and, um, like sweet. And then now we're like, okay, now we got to climb up that and which you and I ran down previous in the day. And it was like yeah. very loose, very steep and like, okay, here we go yeah um, yeah that across. whole slope yeah. that we ran down which like you said it was loose it was you know we started chasing that elk from the top like it was literally just a controlled slide um all the way down and now it's like yeah now we got to go up that like that's gonna a it's <laughs> steep and then every every bit of your footing's loose like i'd say 80 percent of it um yeah it was it was gonna be fun yeah um and then uh so crossing the creek we all like Tyler went barefoot. It was, it wasn't deep. It was just wide right there at that specific spot. And, uh, Tyler went barefoot, you know, and this is with 110 pounds in the pack. Uh, and I'm like, I'm not that brave, but I yeah. also didn't want to wear my shoes and just have, you know, cause once we crossed, we were six miles from the truck probably. Uh, mm-hmm. like, I don't want soaking wet boots the whole way back. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so I was like, I got an extra pair of socks. I'll cross in my socks um and then you know then i'll put dry socks on and shoes and that actually worked out great and then you just elected to to go for it with your gaiters on which yeah. was a mistake because in the middle of the creek it did get deep enough to to flood your gaiters uh, yeah the, you, dude uh, coming yeah. down off that hillside like i was just flat out i don't know if you know it was like a little bit of dehydration catching up with me um i was just i was super shaky um and my legs were not stable with, you know, like you said, a hundred plus pounds. And then, you know, having the elk rack on the back, which, you know, it sounds all fun to like, yeah, I'm gonna shoot a, you know, six by six. And then you put that thing on a pack and it's a pain in the butt. 
um, I just flat out wasn't stable in my legs and didn't trust myself, you know, crossing the Creek, um, barefoot or in socks. Like I just flat out didn't. So I was like, I got the gators, you know, they're below the knee gators. I'm just going to go for it. And it, the first half was fine. And then there was essentially just a few holes between boulders that I stepped in and waters above my knee. And I just feel it pouring down on my gators all the way, like just flat out water pouring into my boots and like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> it's going to be a wet hike back. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, we get it. We all get across, kind of rest up for a second. Um, and then like, okay, this is going to suck, but we can do this and start climbing. And I think we made it. 450 500 feet tops and literally all of us like no one wanted to say it out loud we're like we could do this the rest of the way out of here but i'm th- i was thinking like you know like if i do i'm gonna be scorched like i'm gonna need a, at least a full day of rest if not more because mm-hmm. um, this is this is freaking hard and so we all elected to um basically drop uh, you drop the antlers and, and which was, you know, 15, 20 pounds antlers in the head. And then Tyler and I each dropped uh, the miscellaneous bag of meat that we were packing with the hind quarter, um, which yeah, 20 pounds, um, dropped them, hung them in a tree right there. And then, uh, um, literally, I guess as we did that, uh, there's a spike on the opposite hillsides. <laughs> yeah. we, we we scramble over and I'm trying to get my gun on it. And the, the sucker just took, took the right step and went behind a tree and then kind of disappeared on us. Never did see him again. So yeah. came back. Um, and then, yeah, just finished packing your meat all the way back out to the truck. And it was, it was kind of a late night. I think we got probably back at 11 o'clock or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're pretty, uh, pretty beat up. It was, it was a long pack out and we all kind of acknowledged like, man, if we had kept that, the weight, the entire duration, um, like we would be scorched, you know, we'd be really done. Cause you know, you're trying to like, we got another tag to fill. We mm-hmm. can't just, just burn ourselves up to where we can't hunt the next day. So, yeah. um, I, yeah, we, I mean, ended up being, I think at a skill in your truck, we were all 90 something pounds, between oh, like 93 yeah, yeah. to 98 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler was 98. You were 94 and I was 93, uh, with our, with our weight coming out of there. And that's after we had dropped the, the other, you know, the, the bags are about 20 pounds. So we were, we were freaking heavy at the start. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you can do that over short distances, but you know, off trail that, uh, long miles that, that just wears you down. So, yeah. Um, but we hung the meat and it, it kind of worked out cause we'd seen that other spike and, and the, it's actually the way Tyler had come in, um, to come meet us. He ran out this Ridge a different way. Um, and he saw another spike and, uh, honestly, as we talked about prior, like I was basically like, I wanted either a spike or 300 plus bull. Yeah. Um, like I, I didn't, I didn't have a huge desire to go in there and shoot another raghorn. You know, I shot at kind of a, a, a mature raghorn, small bull in September with the bow. And, um, it's like, all right, I'm either gonna shoot a big bull or a spike. And, and frankly, when we were cutting up your bull, you know, he's this old, mature, big body, like rutting you know he's got piss all over him he's, he just smells like a ruddy bull and the and cutting up the back straps you can you can just see the the texture and grittiness of the meat and i'm like the more i cut that thing up the more like man i, I really want to shoot a spike <laughs> yeah uh, also and also just for packing the suckers out for man. sure dude like i was legit- like because yeah. my bull is not you know it's not the biggest bull ever but just even body size like it was a 
It was a big he's a, body he's a bowl. Nice, nice mature bull, man. Yeah. He was, he was older yeah. than his the size of his antlers. Uh, I mean, he had good mass, and he, he was a nice bull. So, yeah, but I was uh, like, man, another another pack out like that would be would be some work. So when you're yeah. all spike game, I'm like, I've never packed out a spike, but I'm like, I know it's smaller. Like, that sounds great. <laughs> Let's, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, so we woke up, kind of slept in the next morning. I think we started hiking, uh, took our time, started hiking at 1030. Um, basically parked exactly where Tyler had and, and, uh, just work our way out the ridge. And it was the same thing as the day prior, man, elk, elk sign everywhere. Not, not as much as where we were at, um, on that Wednesday night and then Thursday morning coming down before we shot your bull, but there's still sign lots mm-hmm. of, lots of tracks, just crisscrossing, um, trails and, you know, just, we're just very hunting, very much alert, uh, head on a swivel. And we kind of, work the ridge out to the point where it, it all of a sudden breaks off right or left. And, you know, it's one of those kind of you're faced with the decision. So it's like, well, I don't know where we want to go. Let's sit down. Um, it's probably, yeah, getting close to noon at this point. Let's sit down. Let's eat a snack. Um, see if we hear anything, see if we see anything. It's kind of a decent vantage point. Um, so we sit there for probably a half hour or so and nothing happens. And um, so it's like, okay, it's time to go. Where are we going? You know, here's our options. And, and we knew so well, what worked was we had, we had left your meat. So we knew either we had, we had loaded up the packs to be out for 24 hours, basically that afternoon, stay the night, the next morning with the intent of kind of hunting a loop and, and eventually just going back to your meat. And then we'd hike it back out, basically the same path we followed packing out the rest of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're kind of like, okay, well that's our end point tomorrow at noon. We want to be there. How, like what loop do we kind of hunt through this country to, to do that? And so we had a couple options. Um, and ultimately, um, I think Tyler's the one I was like, Tyler, where do you want to go? Like, you want to go left? You want to go right? Uh, and he's like, let's go left. Let's drop down the hill and let's side hill it. And frankly, that's kind of what I was leaning towards. It didn't make the most sense for doing kind of the loop hunt, getting back to your meat, but right. it made the most sense at that moment for killing an elk. Cause it felt like oh, there's, it's kind of benchy down here. It's steep, but there's going to be some pockets and it's good shooting lanes. And yeah, we dropped down and I don't think we went. 600 yards and I was kind of up in the lead and I just saw what it looked like you know how many times you see a lot like the sun hitting a, a, a log where the bark's been stripped off of it like that was my initial like oh that's what it is um and I just about like that eh, that's what it is because it was 200 yards down there you know I just about like dismissed it and now let me stop I threw the binos up and like oh nope that's fur that's an elk so I look back stop both you guys um and then I kind of sit down and get more stable on the binos and start picking apart. And I can see three elk and two are definitely cows. The other one's like, that's a little bit bigger. And then I think Tyler and I both saw the, you know, the little tiny spikes at the uh, same time, like spike. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I immediately dropped the pack. Uh, I wasn't as smart as you. I didn't have my shooting sticks out. So I had to get the shooting sticks out, get it on. And I didn't have like the way the, the slow, the, it was downhill, but there's kind of a little bubble in the, in the hill. And, so I, you know, with the shooting sticks on the ground, I didn't have a good shooting lane. So I kind of had to scoot up about 20 feet. Finally got to a spot where it was like, you know, I was kind of shooting through brush, but I had, you know, a decent pass to get down there with the bullet. And uh, I guess, yeah, you're in the back going like all you see is cows, right? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, I was in the back, um, you know, not too far behind you guys. But then when you scooted up, I ended up being, you know, 30 yards behind you guys from your vantage point and you know i'm watching you like deploy the sticks get on the gun be in the scope and i'm glassing like 
I've, I've, the same as you, I had seen three elk and then where I'm standing now, I can only see two elk and uh, they're both cows. And so I'm like, where's that third elk and what is it? And I couldn't quite tell, like I'm, I'm trying to glass the elk and then I'm looking at you at your demeanor to figure out like, is he actually shooting? Like, does he know what is down there? Is he just getting ready in case or is like he's gung ho to shoot? I'm just trying to like gauge the situation. Um, and so I kind of like move up a little bit, change my vantage point, still glassing, looking back at you glassing. And at one point in the glass, I see the spike. And like in that instant, I was like, Oh, game on. Like he is shooting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was, I was jacked, you know, we, we weren't like, it was a decent, we were all sore from the day prior packing out your bowl. And, uh, we were, I think just under two miles at this point from the truck, from Tyler's truck. So it would have been, a, you know, and downhill a little bit, maybe, I think it was a, yeah, 900 feet or something like that. So it's downhill, but not, it was kind of a gradual over that two miles. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, freaking pull the trigger. And, um, I ended up shooting three times cause we just weren't, uh, again, it was, it was this weird, um, every shot felt great, but with that silencer on the, the elk didn't react how we're used to. Um, they, they just stood around, uh, the, the cows, the two cows, the cow and a calf that was with them just stood there and looking literally around. Literally stood there. There's no reaction. Did not so speak like, at all. Yeah. It's like I had the same reaction with my shots I did with yours. Like I missed and I like, I missed on the first shot. I missed on the second. How am I freaking missing? You know, am I hitting some brush? I didn't see, I kind of repositioned the sticks a little bit to change my angle, shot a third shot. Um, and, uh, and then, um, and then, yeah, the, and then basically the bull, I can't remember what, I don't know if you walked away or fell down. I, cause I was like probably racking another round at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then Tyler's like, he's down, you saw him stumble. He fell, fell down. Um, but it was just how, where he fell to, we just couldn't see, you know, and Tyler's like, I think I saw him try to get back up, but the, the, the cow and the calf were just standing there. They kind of went uh, up on this little hill a few feet away and just stood there and looked back and we're looking down in the direction that, you know, he would be if he had just fallen. And, um, so we were kind of unsure exactly what had happened and, and just gave it like 20 minutes and then basically just snuck down in there and there he was laying dead and he was op- opposed to your bowl. Like we think he almost walked down the hill 10 yards and he laid down on this, like, you know, it's still a decent slope, but somehow there was this like big up little hole. hole. Yeah. Uh, and he just laid down in this perfect little flat spot. Like, like you didn't have to move him one inch to grab the knife and start cutting him up or to um, take like amazing yeah. trophy spike pictures. Oh, like yeah, he tucked absolutely. his legs under him. Yeah. Like he was completely <laughs> in the, the proper he etiquette pose. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was freaking perfect, man. So we, uh, started cutting him up and obviously as you got to see firsthand, the difference and body size between a spike and a mature bowl. I mean, it's, it's like half. Um, so, but, uh, going back to cutting up your bowl, cutting up the spike, I'm like, look, cutting up the, cutting off the back straps. Like, oh, this is going to be so tender and juicy. Uh, <laughs> just nice, fine grain, delicious meat. So, yeah, uh, we cut them up and, uh, packed them out of there. Uh, it's a pretty easy pack out, but we were all, you know, two days in a row packing bowls. Um, we were pretty beat. What amazed me on that, going back to the size, because like, again, I've never, I, I figured body size were smaller, but one of the things that amazed me was like its head um, and how yeah. much shorter it was. Uh, it was a totally different animal. It was like, a, it was a, actually, honestly, like a cool experience to um, be back to back with like a mature body bull and then the spike and like truly see that difference. And it's like, they're both elk, but man, they're, it, 
you can underestimate the difference i i certainly did for sure yeah yeah way way different body size yeah and packing that sucker out one trip and it was a breeze yeah we were uh we were all 70s yeah Yeah. yes we all again we all weighed packs of the truck and it was like 72 74 and 79 or something like that. i mean they were really close so um where your bull would have been like one if we go back to to, yeah one all of us have been like 115 yeah yeah yeah, something like that so an extra um well whatever heck that math adds up to 30 pounds of guy yeah 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 it was yeah i mean what so it was i remember looking it was two o'clock i think when we got to your bull something like that so essentially the second day of the hunt two o'clock in the afternoon and we're essentially done you know yeah, 20, we saw the pack out hours into season two bulls are down yeah yeah, yeah it was awesome man. couldn't have uh you know i knew i had a lot of confidence going in i had both like i said i'd bow hunted this in the past uh, i knew the terrain i knew um this old burn section you know this chunk of it that was like man if the elk are in there like they were in late september um with rifles in hand this is going to be a really fun hunt um like we're going to have a lot of opportunity and, and sure enough, we had opportunity right away and we're able to capitalize on it. Yeah. Yeah. We finished that day and then the next day, um, yeah, it was just weird, man. Like it was one of those things where you go into this hunt and of course I'm like, you know, we got the whole week. This is going to be awesome. And it wasn't disappointing, but at the same time, it was also like, okay, it's into day two, like tags filled. Like, yeah, we still got, you know, we got to go back and get the rest of my meat and the antlers and all that. And like, it was fun compressing that into how quick it happened. Um, it was just like nonstop either hunting action or packing out meat, which was a blast. But at the same time, it's a little bittersweet of like, man, two days in, we're done. Like it, we only got to backpack that one night, for example, you know, it's like, it was, it wasn't bad by any means, but I was like, you know, it's, it was just an odd feeling. Right. We kept saying, dang it, that was too efficient. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's so hard to, to balance that out like you want you want the hunts like like my sheep hunt turned into that just turn into a grueling grind and you're putting miles in and you're really working hard and earning it and um but just take it as it comes you know i mean some some of those are just no matter what you do uh hunts drag out like that are going to be hard and other hunts are going to go easy so yeah um, this this one went went easy as far as killing the elk is still physical man i mean we it was we over basically wednesday night thursday friday saturday I mean, every day we were putting in miles, packing elk, and and uh, by the time we got home, um, I guess yeah, we came home Saturday night. We were we were pretty beat up. Like we, I kind of yeah. wanted to get back out for a, a quick deer. You got a bear tag, and I have a deer tag, and we kind of contemplated it. And um, frankly, you were probably more game to go than I was. I was, I was pretty sore, <laughs> beat up, man. Like uh, my knees are still bothering me from the death hike, and yeah, uh, yeah they were they were hurting, and I just wasn't quite quite ready to go do it i'm ready today you know if we could yeah. could have stuck had you stick around for a few more days and gone but obviously there's work to do and family to get back to so yeah yeah it was funny the the day we went to go get the rest of my bowl which was the day after we killed and packed out yours you know we we went down the kind of the easy route and then had to drop off kind of like bomb down that loose hillside we talked about prior to get to where yeah. we left mine and you're like I'll, I'll hang up here just come back <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like i was game that. like it's my bowl i don't care yeah. and then it was so funny the only thing i thought was um 
I was like, the only reason I wish Steve was here was to see how much of a mess it was me trying to get that pack loaded up. Uh. <laughs> um, so I had two miscellaneous, you know, boned out meat bags. And then I had uh, the head and horns. And it was legit, like, just steep. Like, I couldn't find a flat spot to load my pack up. <clears throat> and then it was loose. And it was like this, like, somebody should be watching me because I look like a complete freaking moron. <laughs> trying to get this thing situated it was such a mess uh, that's awesome yeah um so we did get back and uh pulled some back straps off my elk and cooked them up uh on sunday night yeah what you want to attest to my uh my wanting to shoot a spike yeah you know i it was one of those things when we we were packing it out i thought steve you're so smart and such a good hunter and i'm so glad you shot a spike like it's <laughs> such a good idea because literally that 70 pound pack out coming out of there and it was easier terrain too but packing out your bowl is like i felt fantastic this is so much easier than yesterday um and so i already thought you were smart for shooting a spike and then when yeah we made backstrap it was i mean it was like as good as anything i've had like any meat um yeah. you know both flavor texture like just flat out delicious so yeah, it's like i'm trying never to had spike keep my before. expectations low for my ready <laughs> bowl yeah, if you've never had spike before, man, it is it is as is the body size. It's a completely different animal. They eat unbelievable. Um, so it's, yeah, I am uh, I am always fair game. If I get a good ethical shot, clean shot at a, a spike, man, it's going down. Because for me, you know, another like a not the I don't know how that sounds, but it's like throw another rack up on the you know up in my garage on the racks, like another five point raghorn. Or and then had, like the the bull I killed uh, in September, I, I end up grinding the entire thing into burger, and it's excellent burger. But even the back straps on that sucker were tough. He was just kind of a tough bull. Um, and uh, and then yeah, now I've got this this delicious spike meat uh, that I'm gonna have almost the whole thing made into steaks and roasts, and gonna eat that you know one day a week, two days a week for the next year. And I mm-hmm. to me, I just over a rack hanging in the garage or having that delicious meat for my family to eat. Um, it's kind of a pretty easy decision for me to take the meat. So Yeah. And when you say hanging in the garage, that might sound like you have a cool trophy room in the garage. You litters have like a pile of horns thrown on a freaking rack. Like you just don't yeah, care, yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's just not my thing, man. Yeah. Like uh, if you were to go to Steve's house, you would never go, Oh, this guy clearly runs a, a company in the hunting industry you know <laughs> until you look at the back random corner of his garage like oh there's a pile of weird horns there yeah uh, yeah just yeah it's my mo it's all about the experience and having fun and and uh if to me that it's no joke the biggest trophy is taking home that that meat man it's i just yeah. love having that to, to eat speaking of taking things home i flew home last night and you were like pretty much shaking your head at me because i have this you know <laughs> decent elk rack six by six and i was like looking i was like i think i'll just fly home with this sucker we'll see if we'll see if they take it or not so i'm literally in the exo shop like wrapping things up in cardboard and bubble wrap and packaging tape um and it freaking worked man they checked it they took it and it showed up in one piece yeah, I, it's crazy did they did they pull a tape measurement out and no and, they didn't uh, at all yeah oh, i just really like, okay yeah when i went to the baggage thing um I was like, uh, you know, it was Delta. I had looked on Delta's website. They had an allowance, like they specifically talked about antlers and it was, you know, the skull must be fully, you know, taped up or enclosed or what have you. Um, all points must be covered and protected, yada, yada, yada. 
Um, and then they had these dimensions of, I think it was, couldn't be more than 125 inches um, length width height, you know, combined. And my bowl was right there, like depending on how you measured it. Um, and so I literally, I was like, just told Steve, I was like, I'm just going to run in and try and check this and see how it goes. And you were just essentially on standby of like, if they don't take it, you know, we'll figure it out later. You'll just take the rack and I'll still fly home. Um, but yeah, the, the ladies at the baggage counter kind of like hinted at like, Hey, I, you know, checked out Delta's policy and did everything that, you know, they asked to do here we go. And they didn't, they didn't ask any questions. Um, <laughs> had yeah. to take it down to oversize baggage along with my firearm, which I always do. And it's easy in the Boise airport to do that. And so they check my firearm, do the whole swab and test. And then we go to check in, um, you know, the antlers and, um, they still swabbed it and tested it, which I thought was interesting, but they have this oversized, you know, for the oversized baggage area, this big, um, conveyor belt that takes those oversized items. And it was still the guys looking at that and then looking back at my rack and looking back at that and looking back at my rack. He's like, I don't know if this is fitting. We might have to get someone to you know walk up here and like physically take this down. Um, but sure enough, like it just, I was looking, I was like, I think it'll barely fit. And it did. And, um, when I got home last night, I had told the guy at the baggage thing, I was like, you know, I have a firearm coming and then I also have some antlers coming and he's like, okay, you know, well, um, it'll be over there at oversized baggage, yada, yada, yada. So my rifle comes out, checks my ID, I take it. And then I'm looking where the rifle came out and this is at the quote unquote oversized baggage area at home. But I'm still looking like, and I kind of told the guys like, I don't think this is going to fit. Like, I don't think this is going to come out here. And he's like, all right, well, let's wait a minute. And then sure enough, they radioed him and they're like, we have some antlers that aren't going to fit through the oversized baggage thing. So he had to like, I don't know, go to TSA or something. And he physically had to like carry them out to me. But um, yeah, they worked. Well, it's good to know that I've, I've seen it done before. It just seems like, like literally it's like we're at the airport and everyone's got luggage and you're just carrying this freaking elk skull and antlers. All yeah, you look ridiculous for yeah, sure. You look ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. So cool. Ridiculous. Well, that was an awesome trip, man. I, um, hopefully we can replicate it next year and get you back out and get another yeah. bowl under your belt. Yeah, it was good, dude. It was, uh, you know, first, first rifle elk hunting experience obviously went really well. And, you know, it was, um, yeah, it's just always like one of those things that, both on the memory side of it and think about that story of the bull and what a fighter he was and then kind of just like debriefing, you know, things you learned. And it was cool to, I think for both of us, Steve, I think you mentioned it at one point a bit, like it helps how the elk were behaving, you know, they're bugling, they're, the bulls are with cows, whatever. Like we legitimately just took what experience we do have hunting elk and obviously we have way more than I do, but you take the experience you have in the field already and almost our bow hunting mindset, because that's what we've done, and then just apply that to a rifle hunt. Um, and so it was cool to kind of, it felt like bow hunting with a rifle in your hand, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a, that was, it was fun, man. A blast. Yeah. So, cool. Well, we could uh, chat all day, but we'll wrap this one up. It's already a long one. Um, and obviously, listeners, if you have any questions uh, about this hunt or whatever else, just shoot us an email to podcast at xomountaingear.com and we will tackle those on a future Monday Minute. Thank you as always for tuning in and appreciate the support. We'll talk to you soon.